To Political Science 1130, State Local Government. This is Mark Johnson uh, from M State Moorhead. The purpose of these podcasts is to provide exactly the same content that's in the lecture notes, but for those that want to listen rather than read. And you're certainly uh, welcome to read along while you're listening. So I'll leave that up to you how you decide to use these podcasts. This first episode is from Unit 1 Comparing the States. So we'll start off with this question. Which government? One of the things you'll hear me say a lot in this class is that there's no such thing as the government. We've all heard people say, the government did this, or I don't like it when the government does that. My question to people that say those types of things is, which government? Was it a state agency? A local government employee? One member of the federal Congress? There's lots of other possibilities, right? As mentioned in your textbook, There are more than 90,000 governments in the United States alone. States, counties, school boards, townships, special districts, and the list goes on and on. In each of those governments, there are different branches, different agencies, and different people, each with their own agenda, their own attitudes, and their own goals. So it shouldn't surprise us that many times, if not most of the time, one governmental agency will issue a rule or pass a law, and another governmental agency, maybe even one with part of the same jurisdiction, will issue a another rule or law that does completely the opposite thing. What we're going to study in this course is how all these governments manage to coexist and how, perhaps even more surprisingly, they manage to enact, enforce, and administer public policy in this country. Note that during the course of the semester, I will frequently use terms like most of the time, in most cases, usually when talking about how state governments operate. This might sound frustrating, But when we look at just about any procedure, process, or organization, there's going to be some exceptions. For example, up until 2014, in 49 of the states, the governor appointed the adjutant general, the head of the National Guard, right? In South Carolina, that person was elected. Now, that's now changed since the voters in South Carolina approved a constitutional amendment in 2014 to make that office appointed, which is the norm in every other state. If you live in North Dakota, You might be aware that voters there elect the tax commissioner. That's the office that manages state uh, state tax collections. However, that's the only state where that's true. In the other 49 states, the person who leads that office is appointed, usually by the governor. A more commonly elected statewide official is the state attorney general, the state's chief lawyer. Now, that person is elected in 43 states, but they're appointed by the governor in five, Alaska, Hawaii, New Jersey, Wyoming, and New Hampshire and they're selected by some other method into other states. The state Supreme Court in Tennessee and the state legislature in Maine appoints the attorney general. So if I asked on a quiz, true or false, most state attorneys general are elected by the public, that would be true because 43 out of 50 is a pretty strong majority. If I asked true or false, all state attorneys general are elected by the public, that would be false, right? I just mentioned seven exceptions. We're gonna see lots of examples of this as the semester progresses. One of the first examples that I want to call your attention to is that little survey that you just took. On the last question, you might have noticed that there were two spaces for state representatives. There was also a note that said Minnesota residents will only list one name. 
whereas North and South Dakota residents would have two names. This question points to a perfect example of what I was just talking about. Most states, of which Minnesota is one, use what are called single-member districts to elect the members of their state house representatives. Those are the people that go to St. Paul to vote on state laws. In six states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Washington, Arizona, Idaho, and New Jersey, the legislators from the state house representatives are elected on a multi-member basis. In other words, more than one is elected from each district. In a few other states, Maryland, New Hampshire, Vermont, and West Virginia, some House members are elected at large, while others are elected from single member. We'll talk about that later in the legislature's unit. In all the other states, all House members are elected from single member districts. Let's do a comparison. Now, this is going to be a lot easier if you can look on the website because it's hard to represent maps on a podcast, but hopefully you're taking a look at the maps that I've posted in the uh, Unit 1 lecture notes. You're going to see the Minnesota State Senate on the left and the House on the right. So Minnesota uses what they call sub-districts. The state is divided into 67 Senate districts of roughly equal population, about 79,000 people each. Each of those districts elects one state senator, and then that state senator represents that area, that district, in St. Paul. For the state House of Representatives, each of those Senate districts is divided in half, two halves equal population. So, for example, here in the Moorhead area, Senate District 4 has, divided, has been divided into House Districts 4A and 4, 4B. Each of those districts has about 39,500 people each. Like with the Senate, each of those districts elects one State House representative. That person also goes down to St. Paul to sit in the State House. Focus for a moment on District 4. You can look at any district you want, but I'm just using 4 as the example. Notice that in terms of land area, 4A is a lot smaller than House District 4B. Remember, these are of roughly equal population to each other. District 4A is most of the city of Moorhead, which, by western Minnesota standards, is an urban area. District 4B is more spread out. It has a much lower population density. Detroit Lakes, which has a, about a fifth of the population of Moorhead, is the largest town in District 4B. You'll notice that the districts in outstate Minnesota are much larger than those in the Twin Cities. Neither map can actually capture all the districts in the Twin Cities. We need to have one of those little scaled-in inset maps in order to see all of them. There's a Supreme Court decision from 1964, Reynolds v. Sims, which says that legislative districts within a state have to comply with the one-man, one-vote rule. That's why those urban districts are much smaller in land area than the rural ones, because everything's an equal population. If we take a look at the two Dakotas, again, you'll want to take a look at my notes to actually see the maps. We'll notice a similar relationship between urban and rural districts. North Dakota is on the left on that page, South Dakota is on the right. North Dakota, as well as South Dakota, uses at-large multi-member districts. In each district, one senator and two representatives are elected, and every voter gets to vote for all three positions. In North Dakota, each of those districts, there are 47 of them, has an average of about 14,000 residents. So each senator represents 14,000 people, and the two House members also represent those same 14,000 people. South Dakota has chosen to have fewer districts, 35, with an average of about 23,000 people per district. In case, of, in case you're wondering, does this violate some principle of one man, one vote? It does not. As long as within the state, the ratio of residents per member is equal, they can vary about 5% either way. There's no violation. 
Okay, so it's all about within the state. Is that equal? And if the answer is, hey, within 5%, they're good. One thing to point out, very attentive students usually notice this. On that South Dakota map, you might notice that there are two districts, 26 and 28, that have an A and a B. In those two situations, each full district elects a senator, but for the House, each has been split up into two subdistricts, where each subdistrict elects a single House member. It's basically the Minnesota system, right? But only in those two parts of the state. This is because those areas have significant numbers of minority voters. In this particular case, and in both those districts in South Dakota, it's Native Americans. As we'll learn in the unit elections, the courts tend to frown on multi-member districts in places with large percentages of racial minorities. There's a long history of Southern states using that method to make it difficult for African-American voters to have any influence. And in case you're wondering, yes, each of those subdistricts, 26A, 26B, 28A, 28B, has about 11,500 people. Remember I said above, every South Dakota district has about double that number. So the ratio of one house member per 11,500 or two for every 20,000 still holds, regardless of the method. If you want to explore this further, we're going to take a look at this in the unit on the legislature, look at legislative districting, but you can on your own look at the legislative maps in Vermont and West Virginia. You'll notice some districts with really large populations and others with much smaller populations. But if you do the math and figure out the number of residents per legislator, you'll see that the ratios are still consistent within each state. Uh, even what the states call these chambers might be a little different. All 50 states call their upper chamber the Senate. However, lower chambers, there's some different terms used. Most states, like Minnesota and North Dakota, call the lower chamber the House of Representatives. That's the same term, by the way, used to identify the lower chamber of the National Congress. And the individual members all hold that title representative. Now, there's a few exceptions. New York, New Jersey, California, Wisconsin, and Nevada call their lower chamber the Assembly or the State Assembly. And individual members are usually called Assemblymen or Assemblywomen. Three states, uh, Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia, call theirs the House of Delegates and individual members hold the title delegate. So even though the terminology, the number of members elected per district, the number of members, and the organizational structure of the body is gonna vary a bit from state to state, we can say that all 50 states have an elective legislative body, and all but one has a bicameral two chambers legislature. Nebraska, by the way, is the exception. They only have a state senate. There's no lower chamber in Nebraska. The other thing I want you to take away from that quiz is realization that there is a significant difference between the federal and state governments. Your United States senators and U.S. congressmen represent you at the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. They vote for federal laws. Your state senator and state representatives represent you in St. Paul, Bismarck, Pierre, Madison, Des Moines, or wherever, wherever your state capital is, and they vote for state laws. I used to work for the North Dakota House of Representatives in Bismarck. Uh, as an administrator. And members used to come back and used to relate stories all the time. They're sitting in a coffee shop back home and someone walks up and says, hey, Joe, how are things in D.C.? And of course, Joe Legislator has no idea how things are in D.C. because he represents these people in Bismarck or St. Paul or Helena. Before you kick yourself too hard, well, I didn't know the answers to those five questions in that little survey, be assured you're not alone. If you randomly polled a thousand people and asked them those five questions, about half would probably know who their governor and U.S. senators are. Maybe 25% or so, depending on how close to election time it is, would know who the U.S. congressman is. Probably about 
and probably less, are going to know who their state senators and their state representatives are, and fewer than that could probably explain to you what the difference is between federal and state legislators. Federal representation is based upon population for the United States, for the, particularly for the U.S. House. Your representative is commonly referred to as a congressman or congresswoman. Each state is given a certain number of members, depending upon their population. California and Texas have the most. The states with really small populations, such as Wyoming and North Dakota, only have one. Minnesota, with just over 5 million people, has eight. In states with more than one, the individual representatives are elected within separate districts. So Minnesota has been divided up into eight districts of about 660,000 people each. As you might imagine, the districts down in the Twin Cities are quite a bit smaller geographically than they are in northern Minnesota, because again, they all have equal population. The average congressional district across the country has about 710,000 people. Because every state has to have at least one member, the ratios aren't exactly equal from state to state. The biggest disparity currently is between Rhode Island, which has 1,050,000 people, and they get two congressmen from the last census, Montana, which only got one congressman, but has a population of 990,000 people. Uh, these two maps, again, I recommend you take a look at the notes online. These two maps show the national and Minnesota-specific picture. Again, these are for the U.S. House of Representatives, Congress, not state legislatures. Representation for the U.S. Senate, however, is somewhat unique. The U.S. Constitution of 1789 established equal representation in the Senate for all states. That's what American government textbooks are going to probably call the Great Compromise, if you've taken American government. This was done to convince the smaller states that they wouldn't be dominated by the larger states. That was a big issue at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia in that year. So every state, regardless of population, has two United States Senators. So your final step is to retake that quiz. The only graded activity for this unit is to retake that political awareness quiz. This time you'll take the quiz version for points. It's the same questions that you had in the ungraded survey with a couple of extras based on some things I just said. Now that you understand the difference between state legislators and federal legislators, the U.S. House and Senate, you should look up who represents you in each of those bodies. I've put some links to useful tools in the links area of the Unit 1 overview page. If you live in a state other than Minnesota or North Dakota, you'll want to do a Google search for Wisconsin State Legislature, or find my legislators in Iowa, or whoever, whatever the case may be in your situation. Almost every state has some sort of find my legislators or who represents me tool on their state legislator web pages. Thanks for listening. Again, this is Mark Johnson from M State Moorhead. This has been the Comparing the States Unit, Unit 1 for Political Science 1130 State and Local Government. Have a great week. And thanks for listening.